It's the positive drug test in sport, which is still reverberating around Australia. 12 days ago, running star Peter Boll, remember him? He was provisionally suspended after a sample taken in October last year returned a positive result for EPO. A group of Norwegian scientists has since cast doubt on the World Anti-Doping Agency's testing method in the Boll case, saying the result remains subjective and the athlete, Peter Boll himself, has paid for his B sample, his second sample, to be tested in an attempt to overturn the first finding. So how can a drug test be subjective and what does this stress and provisional suspension mean for Peter Boll? Associate Professor Catherine Ordway is a sports integrity expert with extensive experience in anti-doping. She's also the sports integrity research lead at the University of Canberra. Welcome to R and Drive. Thank you so much. This is a really complicated matter, uh, but can you tell us how can there be subjectivity when it comes to drug test results, as this group of Norwegian scientists claim? Mm, it is an unusual one, and that is because, uh, generally speaking, the analysis that's done on urine and blood samples in the anti-doping in sport context is much more cut and dried. But where you have a substance that's naturally occurring in your body, like erythropoietin, then the test for that is much more subjective because the laboratory uh, director is having to make a call on whether what they're seeing from the results of the analysis where they actually have to grow um, the substance uh, from the drops of urine onto a gel over a period of days and then they do a, uh, an analysis under the microscope and, and have a look to see what's there. They have to actually look to see is this just um, kind of a uh, an aberration from what's naturally occurring in the athlete's body, or is this an indication of synthetic EPO, erythropoietin, um, appearing in their sample, which, of course, the latter being in breach of the rules? EPO, of course, is most famously associated with cyclist Lance Armstrong. It essentially allows uh, the body to circulate more oxygen around, so potentially giving a slight edge. Now, tell me about the testing for EPO. Are there several different testing methods? Yes, the World Anti-Doping Agency came up with the first EPO test in the lead up to the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games. And actually, the Australian scientists, together with their French colleagues, were working hand in hand in, in secretly developing this test. And ordinarily, you would hope that when new products get put out into the market, that a test would be developed at the same time in order for anybody to um, reduce the opportunity for an advantage. But that's not what happened with EPO. EPO, uh, synthetic EPO, is actually a therapeutic product that's particularly used for people with renal failure and other kinds of um, uh, issues where they need to have the additional red blood cells to be able to carry enough oxygen to function um, and have a happy life. And unfortunately, it didn't take very long for athletes to realise that that using this uh, in a sporting context would give them a, a huge advantage. So we saw that happen almost immediately as, as this um, synthetic EPO was developed. So it took about 20 years potentially uh, for the 
um, rough, rough enough for the scientists to catch up. So that was your first test that was done. And there is, that's called the SAR page test. And that's what's been done on Peter Boll's sample has been reported in the media. And then the second test that the World Anti-Doping Agency has recognised is called the isoelectric focusing, the E. IEF method, which is also being recognised as an acceptable method for determining whether synthetic EPO is in an athlete sample. Now, this group of Norwegian scientists who are critical of this result, not just this result, they've been critical of uh, the tests, uh, the testing regime, I should say, for EPO uh, run by WADA for some time. They say there are genetic variants of natural EPO which we all have in our bodies, which could cause it to behave like synthetic EPO and therefore be picked up on a test. Is there enough cause for doubt there, do you think? Yeah, I would defer to the scientists on this. And certainly if I was acting for Peter Boll or an athlete that had a result like this, then I would be asking the questions about how thorough um, the analysis has been spread across the population of the world. There's been a tendency over time to assume that... um, for example, female bodies respond exactly the same as male bodies and that Anglo-European bodies respond the same as people from um, the sub-Saharan desert or, or from different parts of Asia. And that's just not the case. So when you've got such a fine line between a positive and a negative case or what they call under the WADA code, the World Anti-Doping Code, an adverse analytical finding, then you really have to be sure that the test has been done robustly across the whole global population. In Peter Ball's case, the B sample, uh, which was collected as the sa- at the same time as the positive sample, has also been sent off for testing, paid for by Peter Ball himself. It has been opened today, I believe. We should say that... Uh, Peter Boll was tested, I think, 26 times last year, and this is the only positive result he returned. And it was in the off-season, which is somewhat unusual, um, according to some commentators. Is there any way that Peter Boll can definitively prove his innocence at this point, given that he has been provisionally suspended, there is a, a WADA positive on his record? Does that ever happen? It certainly does. Uh, it's not often, but in... Uh, this kind of case, Peter Boll would be looking to determine that the result from the A sample was not reliable. And so he would, uh, by sending it off for the B sample analysis to another WADA accredited laboratory, and there are only about 30 around the world, um, he would be seeking for that not to be confirmed, in which case, of course, uh, there's no evidence to rely on and it'll be thrown out and that'll be the end of the matter. So what happens now for Peter Boll? How long is he going to have to wait for the B sample test results to come back and then a ruling either way? Yeah, I'm not sure how long the Cologne lab will take in in Germany to do the analysis. Um, It's I understand that the sample is going to be reanalyzed both in Australia and in Germany, and I imagine that might take a couple of weeks before we hear anything. Um, and at that time, the results will go back to the the test requester, which I'm uh, understanding from the media is Sport Integrity Australia. They'll need to review those results and also, of course, provide them to Peter Boll and his team and then make a determination about whether or not the um 
the adverse analytical finding is withdrawn or whether they're going to proceed. So interesting. Catherine Ordway, thank you so much for joining us. Very welcome, Sarah. Associate Professor Catherine Ordway is a sports integrity expert with extensive experience in anti-doping. She's also the sports integrity research lead at the University of Canberra. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.